think of our Lord Jesus Christ as the true temple, the true priest, and the true Bible. Amen. Again, today we celebrate the ancient future church. The feast day is known by several names. All the presentation of the Lord, the purification of the blessed Virgin Mary, candle mass, and uh, also the meeting of the Lord and the temple, what they call the future church. The feast day is the second week of February 2nd, but we didn't want to miss out on all the fun we just had up there. And so we transferred it uh, to their bed. And uh, it's not entirely clear when this feast originated, but it was before the first century, uh, it was common in the church, it was very recent early. And traditionally, it would involve a candlelight procession to the church. So I'm sure they all go out to the road, and they're living less candles out there, and come in, kind of another night. And uh, candles are traditionally left on this day partly because there are several references in the liturgy of the church, you see this in the exalted of Easter as well, to beeswax being symbolic of purity. And that the flesh of Christ is from the pure flesh of the Virgin Mary. That's the idea. The beeswax is pure. That we light candles and hope to offer a pure prayer. That's right? our desire so that our prayers be pure, that we have purity of heart, and that if you pay attention to the call out today, it speaks of Christ coming in the substance of our flesh, right? That he shares our flesh, and that his flesh, because he's sinless, and comes to the pure Virgin Mary, is his pure flesh. But we light candles, all right? But now you get it. You're all caught up on the theology of the dead. And so, I just wanted to reflect on a few things from our meeting today about the feast. So, the first is this idea of fulfillment. Channel Mass involves the idea of fulfillment of both the law and the reality of the temple. And we see, um, first of all, to understand the context here, and also Channel Mass, if you took the tree down on the National Test, you justify having your tree up all the way up to today. And I can't help you today. If you're already used up, you're good until February 2nd. And so, in the law, in Leviticus 12, there was commanded that a woman, and that's the giving verse, she would be in for four Sundays, and then she would remain for 33 more days, about 40 days. And then she was to go and make an offering and sacrifice. And so there were some options there. You couldn't afford, you know, to offer a bull or go to that offer two turtle doves and two fishes. So Mary Joseph's parents didn't have that much money to say go and they offered their two turtle doves. Okay? So this is about first and foremost obedience to the law and fulfilling the law. However, something greater occurs here, and the reason the church celebrates the feast the way that they do, is this is the first time that the Lord, God in the flesh, himself is presented in the temple of God on earth. That's the idea. God himself enters the temple. And there's some history here that's important. You know, I love to talk about Moses, right? And that Moses 
He goes, and what he did, he went down with God and talked to God, right? And then when he comes down to the mountain, or he comes out of the tent of meeting where he's in God's presence, what happens to his face? They shine, and the people are terrified of the glory of God, and they say, No, Moses, you go there. Right? Because we can't handle the glory of God. That's how awesome God is. Then just by being God's presence, Moses stays shown. And then when he covers his face, right, and he comes out to meet with the Lord, because the people are so terrified of the glory of God. That's all. And so God's presence is in the tabernacle. And we know that God leads the people to the promised land. He's present with them by a pillar of fire by day, a pillar of fire at night, right? And God's presence is there. Then we have the Temple of Solomon. And now, if you guys admit this, if you don't like this, then you might have got Rest assured, I smoked this place out this morning, said lots of prayers, prepared for our worship. I had a great time. And you guys won't really get away at all during service. I had lots of fun. The part of the thing I did that, I prayed about this day in the temple, right? And so you know about the dedication of Solomon's temple. It says that the glory of God ascended upon the temple in a cloud. And the cloud was so thick that the priest couldn't even minister. That's how I'm looking at this. So thick that we can't even do our job. And so God's presence was there. And we're told that in the Holy of Holies, above the Lord of the Covenant, where the high priest would go in once a year on the day of atonement and offer blood and sacrifice, that the glory of God was presence in the Holy of Holies have the fire above the altar. The God is there. So something significant happens. The people of God, just like us, are ever unfaithful. And in their infidelity, their rejection of God and the worshiping of false gods and idols. In Ezekiel, something significant happens. In Ezekiel chapter 10, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision in which the glory of God departs to the temple. The glory of God leaves the temple. And there's a prophecy of the destruction of Israel, which does in fact come. And in 586 BC, the temple of Solomon is destroyed, and the people of Israel are driven into captivity under Babylon. And then, the second temple was built. And the second temple was finished around 515 B.C. And under here is the just before Christ was born and renovated, thus in the Gospels you'll hear about the temple of Herod. This was the second temple. Unlike the first temple, the second temple did not contain the presence of the fire of God within the Holy Spirit. So the temple of God was dedicated to God Sacrifices were offered to God, but from the time of the vision of Ezekiel, the presence of God departed from the temple. And in that context, the prophet Malachi, our first reading today, if you haven't paid attention, prophet Malachi in chapter 3 says, The Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come to his temple. The Lord will come to his temple. The church sees today the presentation of the Lord's kingdom as the fulfillment 
of that promise in Then on this day, the Lord God himself came to the temple. And that's why we celebrate this day. As Christians, we are also reminded that every Christian church is a temple of the Lord, where the abiding presence of Christ is here through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, and most fully through the Holy Eucharist. That that makes this place a temple of God. That as God came to the temple in Jerusalem, so he comes to us in our temple when we offer the Eucharist. The second thing we see here is the theme of the reality of the priesthood and the sacrifice. The feast of the presentation is about the fulfillment of that which was signified by the original temple. The temple was, again, the place of sacrifice, the place of atonement and of divine encounter. Now, if you were a priest back in the day, you couldn't wear something that's pretty. Because if you were in Israel, you were doing a lot of slaughter. You were butchering bulls and goats and offering sacrifice to God and dirty work. Now, the high priest, he got those fancy. So, a lot of the guys, they were not. And they were offering sacrifices day by day, seeking atonement for the Lord. And uh, the, so, the, the temple was a place of prayer, but it was a place of lots of priestly activity. Priests had a lot of work to do in the original temple. And so, Christ comes to the temple, and the New Testament tells us that he comes as the true priest who is able to make the true offering once for all. In our history reading today, in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Therefore, he had been made of his brothers in every respect. What does that mean? For any purpose. Human, incarnate, fully God and fully man. See, he got his part of this. So that he might become a merciful and kind and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Jesus comes as both priest and sacrifice. And he, on this day, enters the temple, knowing through the divine plan of God, he's taken to the temple to fulfill the reality of that temple as he will become the true priest and the true sacrifice. Again, the call out for today points out that he came in the substance of our flesh. That's hugely important to the theology of what is happening here. Again, I will point you to Malachi chapter 3. It says that when he comes to his temple, it says he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Now, I've never dealt in gold or silver, but anybody here ever loved it before? So my dad is a boilermaker, and he's a huge welder in our home. I'm a terrible welder. Right? So a lot of the dads in my family, that's what they do, they're boilermakers, and, they, and that's, they, they're into that. I'm terrible, but I've done it. And it's a fascinating thing when you take a torch and you melt metal and fuse them together. And so that's the image that comes to my mind whenever God talks about in the scripture being a refining fire, right? 
And it's a pretty powerful image if you've ever lost metal and metal and then fused together. And he says, Then the offering of Judah in Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years. So this promise from Malachi is that God himself will come to the temple. And when that occurs, he will purify the people as fire purifies. And that because of his purity, that our offerings will be made acceptable to God. That once again, as in the days of old when the priesthood was instituted, that the sacrifice of Israel would be acceptable. Since Christ is our true priest in the true temple, he enables us, as Christian priests, to make the true offering of the Eucharist. And so that is the gift that we are reminded we have on this day. Finally, I wanted to reflect today on this idea of presence of life and substance. Malachi 3 says something powerful, and I think this relates to the second coming of Christ as well. It says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is life to refine his fire. Christ is a fire in our midst. He is the fire of God. That fire of God that was present leading the people of Israel was Christ. That fire of God was present above the ark of the Holy of Holies to present the cross. That same fire is with us and in our midst. And in Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. You see, we believe that Christ is both fully God and fully man. That he possesses everything that we possess in our humanity, and he is everything that God is in his divinity. That he is, in fact, the fire of God, the eternal word of God in the flesh. That's what we mean with Christ. And Satan was given a gift that the Lord had told him he would see the cross. Now, if you all are saying this daily morning prayers, and you look at common prayers, and you look evening prayers in the book of common prayers, every evening we pray the word of sinning that we read in the gospel today. Every evening we pray this. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory of your people, Israel. Christ is our life. He shows us God because he is in his person the presence of God. He is a refiner's fire who purifies us, who prepares us to enter into the presence of God. He is the revelation and the wisdom of God who teaches us what it is to know God. And he was taken on this day to the temple in the substance of our flesh, God and man, present in the place of worship of God. So on this day, Kingdom Mass, we light the candles in the altar, and we offer the true sacrifice of the true priest, Jesus Christ. We present this true flesh, which came in our substance, yet filled with the fire of God, 
that he offered his own and altar. And his presence makes this place a true temple of God. I wanted to share with you, in conclusion, a prayer of the Eastern Church that said on his head, let us pray. The Word, unseen with the Father, now is seen in the flesh, and as we born the virgin, and is given into the arms of the priest. Let us worship.